Do you believe, like I do, that only a miraculous intervention by God can change the direction of our nation and world? This is Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. You know, for the last couple of days, we spent time looking at some of the recent news stories and headlines, and I I tried to get you up to date on a variety of stories that I really believe, when you look at them carefully, all of these stories are interconnected. There seems to be a fast track in motion to push our world over the edge. Now, a lot of people, a lot of dispensationalists, and I'm not being critical here, please understand, like to assume that this is it, it's the mark of the beast, time is up and the rapture is imminent any moment. Nothing to worry about. Yet I'm always I'm always worried about one thing when it comes to many people in the church. A lot of people in the church are easily swayed to believe in things that are simply not true. I've seen it happen too many times. First, let me be clear. I believe that Jesus is coming again. There is no if, answer, buts about it. When, I don't know. When, I can't tell you. I don't have a book that I'm selling to tell you when Jesus is coming again. History is littered with broken predictions of Jesus' return. And anybody that publishes a book starts a website, begins a radio or TV show, telling you that they have the answer to when Jesus is coming again, is a liar. The Bible called him that, not me. No man knoweth the day nor the hour of the Son of Man's return. I mean, it's it's that simple. I don't understand why so many people get caught up with all of this end time and they, they got to get it figured out so we know what to do. And then we know when to expect the, you know, the rapture or whatever. Like I say, lit, history is just littered with failed predictions and will continue to do so. If you look at this practically with me, just, just bear with me for a moment. We have a lot of news to share and things. But today I just wanted to kind of pause after the first two days and try to tie some of this together where it makes sense and where we're going. Do I predict good times ahead? Not really. Do I predict difficult times ahead? Absolutely. That that goes without saying. Even, and let's look at the United States. I know we have listeners in Canada, Australia, and other locations around the world. I, I, I thoroughly understand that. I'm reading a lot of little news stories that tell me some of the things that have been in my heart and my mind over the past almost a year that I've shared in this program keep coming true. Now, I'm not saying I'm a prophet. I'm just pragmatic enough to to try to dig beneath the nonsense and get past the fake headlines and the phony narratives and the propaganda and the social media giant's interpretation of things and try to just dig down to the truth. 
what is true and honest, what is correct, what is real. And several things that crossed my mind, all these, all these weird things that have been going on for quite a number of years, whether we want to believe it or not, all of these things are actually interrelated. I mean, even transgenderism is related into the grand scheme of things. Now, if you go back to when I was probably in my 20s, maybe my teens, and I I first heard the term transvestite. Kind of a laughable character, some man that dressed like a woman. And it was, you know, how do I describe it? Just an oddity. Well, today, that understanding of the word trans, T-R-A-N-S, how it, how it applies. We start applying it now to our, our gender. We have transgenderism. It's now been lumped in with LBGTQ and, and all the other letters that go with it, plus and add a plus symbol, whatever, whatever all that means. The confusion of our biology and our creation is what is occurring over there in that corner along with the idea of of transgenderism. In other words, you can be born a man, but you can you can be transitioned transitioned transed into a woman. And if you don't believe me, look at uh, Rachel Levine, or was it Richard Levine back when he was in college? One of the assistant health directors in the United States used to be the health director for the state of Pennsylvania, a man who is certifiably mentally ill, believing that he's a woman. I'm sorry, Rachel, you're not a woman. You're still a man. You're a man in drag. You're a man that's confused. You're a man that's either suffering satanic oppression or mental illness, one, but something is not right that we are mainstreaming this concept of trans, transitioning from one to the other. Now, I'm going to just throw one more little thing in the mix, and I'm going to move on. We, we kind of touched on it on yesterday's program. We'll get back to it again a little bit on Thursday. When you look at the fourth industrial revolution being proposed by the World Economic Forum and being just lapped up like milk for a putty cat by world leaders, government leaders, uh, industrial leaders, there's a term being thrown around by Klaus Schwab and company. And don't take my word for it. You can go to their website and you can read about it all day long. Since 1971... This organization has been out there gaining in strength and influence on a global scale. It's called transhumanism. In other words, the merging of technology with the human being. We've been leading up to this in our own funny way for a few decades. Now, technology is a wonderful thing. We've had technology multiplying and doubling every so many years for well over a century or two. Back in my grandparents' day, 
They were born at the turn of the 20th century. There were no radio stations. A lot of places still use kerosene lanterns. Even in New York City, you had horse-drawn carriages. In parts of Queens and Brooklyn, New York, you had farmland, believe it or not. There weren't even any movie theaters yet. Electric lighting was just coming online. And the telephone was only for the privileged few in 1900. By the time my grandparents got married in the 1920s, the first radio stations were on the air, beginning to broadcast and influencing our lives. Electricity was vastly more commonplace. The farm started moving out of the city of New York farther out on Long Island. Electricity, lighting, the automobile were beginning to take root. Nothing inherently wrong with any of that. Let's go back to the 1970s, the beginning of the computer age. I mean, we know about radio and television. If you're my age, we grew up with it. Even having a computer in the 1980s and 1990s, which I did, I primarily used it for word processing and a few programs and a little bit of accounting and eventually even some engineering work. Now the whole thing is different. We are connected via the Internet, and it's both a blessing and an out, a horrific curse. I use the Internet for research. Nothing wrong with that, and I'm very careful about the sites that I choose to go to. A lot of sites out there people suggest. I've looked at some. I, I'm hesitant to grab on to anything they're saying. And I kind of wait a little while to see if they fall on their face, and several have, so I can't trust them. And I'm not going to share things I find on some of these websites. It may lead me to do some research, but I'm going to be very cautious in what I share with you. But we're becoming more connected. Now, when you're my age, I don't mind being somewhat connected. But I often turn my ringer down on my phone. I don't want, I've just got a lot of things to do, and I don't want to be so available. I mean, there was a time when I was a broadcast engineer. I was on call 24 7, 365. And so, yes, I had a pager. Remember those things? And a bunch of quarters. So, if I was ever somewhere and the thing went off, I could, you know, make a phone call. And then it became a two way radio, and then eventually the cell phone. I was thinking the other day, I'm just going to go down a rabbit hole for about 30 seconds. What it was like when I first got married in the 1970s. We had a telephone at the house, a television set, my wife and I, and a small house. We rarely have ever ate out. We both had to work at that time. Yet I wasn't connected to everything so tightly that I never could be me anymore. Sometimes that's one of the difficulties of this radio program. There's, you're, you're connected by email. You're connected by computer. You're, you're, you're connected by a deadline schedule. But the radio program is important, so you have to balance what is important versus what is 
consuming you and destroying you. So I try to put the radio show in balance, and I pray for a little bit of help down the road. So it's not me doing all the research, me doing all the editing, me doing all the bits and pieces. Maybe we can make this more of a community effort at some point. That's my prayer anyway. But the fourth industrial revolution, it may not apply to people like me too much because I draw the line on how much I want to interface with technology. I'm still in control of that. But a lot of younger people today, this is all they've known. I mean, the iPhone's been around for well over a decade. If somebody was seven or eight at the invention of the iPhone by now, when they're 17 or 18, that's all they know. It doesn't take long before you see this merger of technology already becoming, you know, the, the, the trajectory is there with younger people so dependent upon this extension of their body, it's called a cell phone. And they don't think twice about giving up their personal information. They're going to be the ones, as we talked about yesterday, that they don't care if they rent everything. Rent their house, rent their car, rent their phone, rent their stereo if they have one, rent their computer, and live on a digital currency, even if it's set to expire. They're not going to think about savings. They're just going to live day to day. They're going to move through time not knowing the future and not even understanding there's a past. Very Orwellian. And this is what they're talking about, this merger of human and machine. Now, some try to take it steps farther, and I'm sure at some point it will. From chips implanted under the skin and all that, I get it. Amazon shopping is playing with that in some of their stores where you go into their Whole Foods and you can throw stuff in the cart and it's automatically scanned and you just go out the door. Carefree, never going through a checkout line. Sure, all these things are are precursors to the mark of the beast. There's no doubt in my mind about that. But how it actually plays out, I think that we become a little bit too speculative, but we should be cautious about where all this is leading. Back in the 1960s, everybody said, if you got a credit card, that's the mark. You're done for. You're cooked. You're toast. I, I, I actually have heard sermons preached in the early 1960s that if you had a MasterCard, you're going to hell because it is the mark of the beast and there's no if ands. You can't get around it. And now the same ministries will let you pay by credit card. But it does get us used to the idea of an electronic currency. And younger people are going to adapt faster than others. Transhumanism is going to be something they're already doing. And they don't see it. They just see their day-to-day, even in their churches from time to time. They go there for the light show, the encouraging message to make me feel better about myself and my situation, and to sway to the music. And I'm not being really, I'm not trying to be, uh, what's the word, condescending to contemporary worship. I just am cautious about a lot of it. We as people of faith need to exercise our faith vastly more deeply than we have. So I look at all these stories, everything from 
same-sex marriage back in 2015 to the election mess of 2020. And every day, some little story comes my way that is definitely a true story. And all this bluster that the elections were perfect and fair is beginning, you know, the, the, the paint is beginning to chip off. And I believe the truth is going to come out. The Western world is in deep trouble. We are going to probably see the truth. My heart tells me in no uncertain terms that the truth of what happened in the election will eventually come out. And I believe it'll come out sometime this year. Maybe it'll be in Arizona first or Georgia. Then eventually you'll see it maybe in a Wisconsin or a Pennsylvania. But inevitably, I really believe the truth is, this is just my opinion, not some kind of prophecy, but I really believe the truth is going to just begin to come out. Now, it's what we as a nation, as a people, do with that truth that's going to determine our our destiny in the short term and the long term, assuming there is a long term. It's going to divide us more as a people than we've ever been divided before. If the politics of Barack Obama in 2009 as he took office, calling himself, by the way, it was so funny. They actually said around the time of the inauguration, it is time for us now to rule America. We don't want rulers in the United States. That was the whole idea of the revolution. We don't want a ruler. We want leaders that are answerable to the people. But we have created this elite group of politicians who think that they are now royalty and rulers. We have the reprobate minds that follow suit with them and empower them, encourage them, and support them. The church is increasingly the minority. Well, when I say the church, the church being the true body of Jesus Christ on this earth, we're increasingly the minority. So I look at Klaus Schwab, I look at the World Economic Forum, I look at the debt that's being piled up in the United States, I look at the pandemic, I look at how all these things are coming together and being used to pummel us over the head. There's so many moving parts, the average person just gives up and walks away and they can't, they can't understand. How do we, how do we function? Is there any hope? You want to know something? There's always hope. And that hope is in Jesus Christ. We may not be able to fix this world. We may not even get a reprieve. Maybe we will, maybe we won't. But I see I see the truth coming out and how the truth is dealt with is going to it's going to chart our course. If the vaccine and and uh, police come out there looking for you, ready to pin you to the ground with a police gun at your head to put a vaccine in you. 
then you know it's over because it's not about your health. It's about compliance. I'll say it again. You do not wear a winter jacket to make somebody else warm. So why do we have to get a vaccine to protect somebody that's already vaccinated? It makes absolutely no sense unless you have a reprobate mind. But this is now the established narrative at Facebook, the established narrative at YouTube, all the tech tyrants. I would never have believed 20 years ago that just a few little companies would grow to such incredible power and influence the biggest propaganda machine ever conceived by the mind of man, now partnering with one of the most corrupt governments this country has ever seen. Hand in hand. Time is growing short. The church has got to refocus the, the true believers. We got we to gotta understand something. The world does not like us They definitely don't love us, and they have zero respect for us. Even in the halls of Congress, I believe the majority today tolerate Christians, put up with them, or use them for their votes. It's that that plain and simple to me. The truth is going to come out. Like I say, the truth about the elections will come out. At some point, After way too many people have been vaccinated, we're going to find out. We might learn some things about the vaccine we didn't know at the time people got injected. The pressure is going to be bought to bear. It's like Governor DeWine, I mentioned this Monday in, in Ohio, signing this bill that says schools can't mandate you have the coronavirus vaccine. But it's a 90-day before it comes into effect. School have already started. The damage will be done. It's a useless bill. It's showboating. DeWine is one of those governors like Kemp in Georgia. They need to be term-limited by having somebody run against them in a primary. Both are definitely Republican conservatives in name only. The state of Georgia did not vote for Joe Biden. The cheaters did. The fake ballots did. The fake mail-in ballots did. But the people of Georgia did not. I think we're going to learn that in several states that were well-planned and targeted. Listen, I put nothing against what I call and others call the deep state, the entrenched bureaucrats. They're the ones that run the CIA. They're the ones that run the national security agencies and even the FBI. There's enough evidence we've seen over the past couple of years to make it without a shadow of a doubt in my mind that there's corruption at the high levels of all these formerly respected organizations. The FBI is one of them. The Department of Injustice is a joke. You know, it's funny. They'll be throwing people in jail because they walked into the Capitol building. Yet you can burn a building down, beat somebody over the head legitimately in Portland, Oregon, try to destroy a courthouse, and you'll walk free. Our time 
without any reprieve from God is just about up. This program currently airs on shortwave. It airs on a couple of domestic radio stations. It is there as a podcast. Thankfully, at the moment, we have plenty of different sites we're on. We're on Spotify, even, uh, what is it, iHeartRadio. The thing is out there in a lot of places I'm, I'm learning. But one by one, those outlets are going to be shut down. I'm going to be cut off. That's why I'm moving a lot of my podcasting to a Christian pod, uh, podcasting site. And if you're listening, by the way, some people say they like Spreaker because they can download it. Well, guess what? You can from Podpoint as well. There is a download button. You can save the file. You can share it with your friends. I don't, you know, if you want to download my program, put it on a thumb drive and send it to one of your friends, go for it. I'd be delighted if you'd share it. And so, yes, you may download and share, use any way you want this program. Just keep it, just don't tear it apart and make it mean something else. That's all I ask. Some radio stations will get uh, cold feet. Shortwave will probably hang in there. I'm praying about maybe some other options with shortwave to keep it viable. And I believe if God's hand is in it, it'll be done. But I need your support to keep this radio program continuing. I've got some very exciting things to share a little bit in the next uh, segment of the program. But if you believe in what we've been trying to do here now for almost a year, and every day I get letters, and, and, and the gifts sometimes large and small, and I, I, it just, in God's economy, it all comes together. In about a week, we have to start mailing checks out again, and we're trying to get to where everything is covered. If you believe in the work we're doing, would you consider a gift? You can mail a check to to us, make the check payable to Ancient Word Radio. Ancient Word Radio, our mailing address, 21 Berkshire, B-E-R-K-S-H-I-R-E, 21 Berkshire Lane, number 263, our secure box, number 263. We're in Sky Valley, two words, Sky Valley, Georgia, 30537. 21 Berkshire Lane, number 263, Sky Valley, Georgia, 30537. This is Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman, the witness of atheism. Shalom Aleichem. This is the nice Jewish boy, Jonathan Kahn, your Jewish connection, bringing you the riches of your Jewish roots in Jesus. Now get your pen out as fast as you can so you don't miss out on receiving a special free gift that you're going to get and love in a moment. Now Madeline Murray O'Hare, the famous atheist who helped remove prayer from public school, was once she was speaking at a college in Ohio. She launched into a speech which denigrated all clergy and ministers. She ridiculed believers. She mocked those who trusted in prayer. And she labeled all religious people stupid. At the end of the meeting, there was a, a little girl. She spoke up in a soft voice filled with compassion. She said, Miss O'Hare, I'm so happy you came to speak to all of us here tonight. We thank you for showing all of us what an atheist is. Now, in turn, we must ever be grateful for your visit because now and forever we have strengthened our faith, our Christian beliefs by listening to you tonight. We really feel sorry for you. I thank you because I know you have strengthened my faith. And Madeline O'Hare didn't know how to respond. It seemed the, it was the first time she was at a loss for words. The applause for the young woman's response was deafening. You see, atheism might testify against God, but atheists only testify 
to him. Because without God, there's no real hope, no real assurance, no real comfort, no real trust, no real purpose, no real meaning, and no real love. Atheists like Lenin and Stalin and Mao, even in their denial of God, they bear witness of his existence by their examples. So if even atheists who deny God bear witness of him, how much more than that must you, who affirm God, all the more boldly bear him witness? Stop hiding the light, my friend. Let it shine and be bold. God lives and even atheists bear him witness. Now, the free gift for you. How about if I offered you a million dollars? Well, I want to offer you something better than a million dollars. Something to help give you a strong and victorious life. A free subscription of Sapphires, Vitamins for Your Spirit, and the incredible Mystery of the Temple doors all free. You'll love it. How do you get all this? Easy. Just remember Jesus' real Hebrew name, Yeshua, and you dial it. That's it. Just dial 1-800-YESHUA-1. You'll be so blessed. But call now, 1-800-YESHUA-1. Now, the harvest is great. But the laborers are few. I invite you to join me in the harvest. You don't need a plow, just an open heart and a pen, and you can reach the unreached peoples of the world. Just call now. 1-800-YESHUA-1. That's Y-E-S-H-U-A-1. Or write me direct. The Nice Jewish Boy at Box 1111, Lodi, L-O-D-I, New Jersey, 07644. That's The Nice Jewish Boy, Box 1111, Lodi, L-O-D-I, New Jersey, 07644. 44. Well, till next time, this is Jonathan Kahn saying Shalom Aleichem. Peace be to you, my friend and Messiah, Ben Elohim, the Son of God. This is Truth to Ponder. With Bob Bierman. And I want to welcome you back to part two of our Wednesday edition of Truth to Ponder. If you're a new listener, like on uh, KYAH, I need to hear from you to know that this program is having an impact. We have to make some decisions and we're trying the station. And so if it means something to you, you can send me a direct email. My direct email is bob at truth the number two ponder.com bob at truth the number two ponder.com beginning to hear more from people listening to kvoh which is a shortwave facility christian owned and operated from uh simi rancho in uh, california not far from los angeles i can hear it here quite often uh, in florida or even up at our home in georgia So check it out. It's 11 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Pacific time. And I hear that it gets into Texas and other areas that we had been lacking for quite a while from our WRMI facility. And yeah, we're going to try to increase the number of airings that we can get going westbound from Florida to reach Louisiana, Texas, Oklahoma better, New Mexico, Nevada, Southern California, even mid to Northern California. So we're, we're working on this, but keep it as a matter of prayer. The time is short, I think, before, before those that are really the enemy of the faith, enemy of freedom, are going to, they're going to be working harder in overtime to shut us down. And if, as I believe in my heart, the truth actually comes out about the election, 
And I've been very, you know, I'm re- I don't say things that I don't truly believe. I'm not out making headlines just to get your attention. And I know a lot of people will try to tell me and they'll give me evidence that maybe you're wrong. But over time, with the election in particular, and I really follow the one in Georgia, I have so many years of my life tied up with this state. I know it intimately well. I understand Atlanta politics in Fulton County. Oh, yeah, very well. Also know how the rest of the state acts and and how it works. And what we saw, and they used the pandemic as the excuse to break the rules, making cheating just absolutely too tempting not to do. And I really believe there are people that are so hateful of conservatives and Christians, they don't have any conscience in terms of stealing an election if need be. But I think the truth is going to come out. America is going to become even more divided. It's going to fire up. And, you know, maybe, I mean, a lot of people say maybe, you know, gee, we'll change the balance of power again in 2022. We said that in 2010, said that in 2004. What? We've been saying that for years, and the world still is on this trajectory for God's judgment. The only thing we're going to get out of uh, any kind of a respite is a chance to regroup and get ourselves prepared for the times that are coming. If you listen to this radio program on a regular basis, and I'll spend some time one day, and I'm going to bring a couple of guests on. There are a lot of my good friends you believe in the rapture. I happen not to. There was a time I did. But the more I studied the theology and the personalities behind it, I began to recognize this is an invented doctrine by trying to tie a couple of things together. And, and it doesn't work. The church has always gone through tribulation and hardship. And, and this idea that the Americanized or Western church in England and, and America, that when times get bad, we get out, doesn't add up. In the first centuries, Christians, they died for their faith. They would not... They would not renounce Jesus Christ even as the lions were approaching and their death was imminent. So what makes us think that we're any better is what I cannot fathom. Lazy Christianity, convenient on Sunday, is not what the church is all about. It was a few years ago, hard to believe that, what is it now, three years have gone by. I paid a visit to a church near the Jacksonville, Florida area. And had a wonderful time. It was the beginning of something I was not anticipating when I made the visit. I had been, I've been in ministry for years and I had been elevated to the position of bishop within a small group. But I felt the time had come the little group I was with was splintering again, and I just didn't want to be a part of any of that stuff anymore. Been through enough of that. And I also knew where my theology and where, where my where my real beliefs were. I am not, I don't stand on a lot of ceremony. And I found a small group of like-minded believers in a group called the Reformed Anglican Church. And three years ago, as we were first getting to know each other, they invited their presiding bishop 
who became a very close friend of mine for quite a while, Ian Anderson, invited me to speak at his little church up near uh, St. Saint, Saint Augustine. So we went up there, my wife and I. Had a wonderful time at that church, and I had the opportunity of preaching a message. I'd forgotten that I had it, and I happened to catch it and listen to it the other night and realized even before this pandemic, I'm talking about where our hope is found, that we're not hopeless and to fear not. And I, and I can't, this is almost prophetic, but it's not really prophecy. Sadly, I lost my friend Ian earlier this year, and uh, my heart is still broken. This particular message was recorded, hard to believe. This goes back virtually three years ago, almost to the day. I sincerely hope you will be blessed. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time that we get to gather around your word and learn what you have for us. Oh, Heavenly Father, open our eyes to see, our ears to hear, and our hearts to receive for this. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. There is no doubt in my mind, by the way, you'll find out I don't like pulpits. It's just easier for me to talk to you. There's no doubt in my mind this gospel and my being here today are one of those providences of God that only he could work out before the foundation of time for me to have the perfect text on this Sunday. One of my favorite out of Matthew. And I'm going to share a little story of why it's important to me and why it's important to me in my ministry at this point in my life today. Here we have Jesus talking to his disciples saying, watch out for the false prophets. You know, the fakes, the phonies. Television, the internet, and radio are full of them today. You can hear them around the globe, around the clock, and looking around your wallet all day long. I had the distinct privilege to work for one such false prophet for about a year of my life. I've been in the broadcasting industry, as was mentioned before. Early in my career, I spent a little time when I was in school working part-time for a Christian radio station in Ohio. And we had all the regulars of that day in the way early 70s, the programs, the preachers of the day, Lester Roloff's Family Altar Hour, Jimmy Swaggart was on there as well. Uh, the whole cast of characters of that day. Then I went back into secular radio, which was a lot easier to deal with. And then I ended up at a Bible college. Now, that was different. I enjoyed my work there because our motive was always ministry, not money, not personal gratification, not some agenda that had nothing to do with Scripture. It was getting the Word of God out and his good news to all those that listen to our stations and network. A little while, several years ago, I was offered a job because of my background in building radio stations for an individual that on the surface, everything seemed quite in order. His theology was not predispensational, which many of them are, uh, he had a very pragmatic look at that time about Scripture, about 
end times. That's primarily what he dealt with, looking toward the end of the world type things. But he did it in a very pragmatic way, at least when I met him. I actually edited his radio show for about six months. My job was to actually build a radio station in the States and then one in the Caribbean. The one in the States got built, the one in the Caribbean is still sitting there waiting to be built. I don't longer work for the guy. He started getting into, my wife puts it so well, it's the 90% truth mixed with 10% pure poison. Best way to put it. It all sounds good, but there's something wrong. And the more you listen, if you have a discerning ear to God's word, the more you begin to say, this is not exactly right. And I had to, I knew I was going to be out the door, and uh, I got out in a reasonable time. And since then, he's gone even farther over the deep end. What started it is on his radio show, he decided to interview this prophetess from somewhere in Pennsylvania, self-proclaimed prophetess, who stated emphatically that the Holy Spirit had come to her in a dream and said that by the end of August, if your preparations are not done, it's too late for you. That was 2015. And I'm thinking in my mind, oh, Harold Camping, you were out there in 2012 with billboards saying it's going to be May 22nd. And then don't forget, Ken Wissenet, 1988, had the book out. Everybody was talking about the 88 reasons Jesus will come back in 1988. Of course, I think it was Hal Lindsey's book, which I had in the early 1970s, the late great planet Earth, telling me also it would be 1988 because Israel became a nation in 1948. A generation is only 40 years, so he's got to come in 1988. I kind of fell for that stuff in my younger years. And we all know that Scottish saying, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. And so I'm listening to this guy and realizing what a lot of these people do is they play upon the fear of the unknown, especially when it comes to the end times. If it's not your health that they're going after, that I can heal you with my prayer cloth for 1995, postage paid, I've met them too. Jesus says, beware of, of false prophets. And, and how many good Christians get suckered into these people that have this inside knowledge because the Holy Spirit speaks to me only? Or I saw Jesus in a dream. I see a lot of these people. What do they all have in common? None of their predictions have ever come true. Zero. You can go back to the 1800s, go back to the 1700s, go back to the first century. The Bible's very clear about one thing we can be certain of. One thing. No man knows the day or the hour. That's a guarantee. We start with that. Then Jesus takes it one step further. I don't even know when I'm coming until the Father sends me. So if he doesn't know, 
What makes some arrogant, self-proclaimed prophet think that they know more than Jesus himself? As they play upon your fear, I think the latest scam that I saw back in the 2015s were the guys on television. They've moved away from predispensationalism. If you know what that is, that means the rapture. And so we all get a get out of jail free card and, you know, we just hop on out of here when it gets bad. Now they've moved to we'll prepare you for the tribulation. We have generators. We have prepackaged food. We have apocalypse chow. <laughs> Stuff will last 25 years in your cabinet. Macaroni and cheese that glows in the dark orange when you make it as an added bonus. This is where the Christian world has gone today. So how does that affect me in this point in my life? For many years, along with ministry, and, I, and for a number of years, full-time parish priest and pastor, I always worried about the day-to-day -day like all of us have to. And for the last several years, I've said, Lord, if only you would provide a way that I could serve you to build your church, to plant real truth out there, whether it's in a church setting which I will do, add to it using media, which needs to be used properly for the Lord's work and kingdom, instead of being used by the fakes, phonies, and frauds that are there to take your money. We're in the, I remember the one we were talking about it last night, one faith healer, had the wife behind stage with the cue cards of who he was talking to. And he would go up there and say, ma'am, the Lord's telling me that your husband is home and he's sick with whatever it was, and she's just amazed. Well, it's the wife going, okay, the girl wearing the green dress, uh, I see on the card here, her husband's home, and he has, he got caught. A lot of them are like that. Go to the book of Acts, you'll be studying that, I hear. Simon the magician saw the great power the apostles had. He wanted to buy it so he could make money out of it. We call that simiism. The gospel of Jesus Christ and the good news stands on its own merits. His promises of never to leave us nor forsake us, to sustain us, to care for us, to seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness is what Jesus says. And all these things the Gentiles seek, the roof over the head, the basics, will all be added unto you. So why do we run off and chase after these phonies and frauds that try to deceive you. They are the wolves in sheep's clothing. And we put them up on pedestals, no less. Many do. My mission in life is to build up the body of Christ, wherever they may be. The local assembly, whether it's 10, whether it's 1,000, it doesn't matter. To feed, what did Jesus say to Peter? Feed my sheep. If you love me, feed my sheep. And I hear that call. And the Lord has provided the way that, yeah, I have the time now, like I never had before. And the ability to do what has to be done. And there's a great world out there. This country could use a few more. What's the term you used? Happy, clappy churches. We have plenty of those on every street corner nowadays. 
and I'm not trying to make fun of them, I'm really not, but the problem I see with so many of these churches, it's all about what I get going there. It's all about me, my feelings. Did I get something out of it? If I didn't feel good today, why do I want to go back there? When we are supposed to gather in his name for the weekly breaking of the bread, because we have a need, yes, and he'll meet that need, but part of to meet that need is to give him his due worship and praise and it's not about our emotion and the process. It's about worship means our workship, our worthiness we give unto God. So as I look at this verse, beware of false prophets, verse 15, that we had in our gospel, which come to you in sheep's clothing but are inwardly ravening wolves. Most important thing is you will know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes of thorns or figs of thistles? And I think of the guy that I did that work for for a while. Everything on the surface started looking good, but it began to unravel when I suddenly realized the Holy Spirit must be changing his mind more frequently than I changed my socks. Because at one time, the Holy Spirit was telling him he needs to leave the country because it's going to get so bad and, and all the powers of government will be after him for his truthfulness, truth news. No, we're staying. No, 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 we're going. We got to sell the building. We can't buy anything. We got to rent. No, let's buy this building for a million over here. It kept changing. And then he would say, nobody watches television. So he builds a TV studio and he buys airtime on every Christian network you could possibly find. And when that didn't pan out, well, nobody watches that. So I'm going to rule the internet now. And people keep sending him money each and every month where he has a staff of like 35 people. I was paid quite substantially. And what is their impact for the, for the cause of Christ? Negligible. Negligible. You know, every one of these fakes, I'm going to close on this thought. Plays on your fear. The fear of the unknown. And what does the Bible tell the Christian? There are two words we're supposed to live by. Fear not. Fear not. The faith says, you better fear this and I got the solution. You'll be running out of food. I got you covered. You won't have electricity to ch charge that cell phone. You won't be able to get on Facebook without my generator. And people buy it. This Bible in my hand. I've been carrying this Bible since 1975. Many, many years ago when I first got married, one of the first things we did was to decide that I needed a better Bible. And I've been carrying this one ever since. It's getting a little bit worn out, but it has lots of notes inside of it. So I know certain scriptures that I've studied and I really had that one from Matthew chapter 7 marked up from many, many years ago. And back then, the idea of the false prophet was not as much on my mind then as it is today. There's a lot of noise out there seeking the attention of people. We as a church body need to make a little bit more noise 
about the true good news of fear not. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time, and I thank you for this place where people love your name, love your word, and obey your commandments. Lord, instill upon this congregation and all of us here, all the clergy here, the understanding that we are to spread the news of fear not, to look unto you as the author and finisher of our faith. Heavenly Father, I pray blessings upon each and every person here today. For this we ask, and this I ask in Jesus' name, and all of God's people said, Amen. And I know he's coming back to bring me home I know he's coming again I know he's coming again Yes, I know he's coming again I know he's coming again Oh, he's coming again again Then we'll sing some more We'll keep on singing till he comes again Until we reach the golden shores We'll keep on singing till he comes again Then we'll sing some more Keep on singing till he comes again Then we'll sing forevermore
He's coming again. There is no doubt in my mind that Jesus is coming again, and it could be soon. A lot of people that say they know Christ, say they are Christian, say they go to church, will be very surprised when they hear those words, I never knew you. There are a lot of people that go to church for all the wrong reasons. There are a lot of people that go to church when it's convenient. See, the things of God are not the number one things in their life. And they try to make this balance between the world and what they think they should be doing for God. Never understanding first things first. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things the Gentiles seek will be added unto you. Too many people are trying to seek the things of the Gentiles and try to fit God in whenever it's convenient. And you have those that that have turned their backs on God. And for this cause, according to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 11, and for this cause, God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie. Honestly, I think I need to spend a little bit of time on tomorrow's program, kind of tying all the news we've had over these past weeks and several years in light of 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. I believe there are a lot of people, both Christians and non-Christians, that are suffering strong delusion, that are believing lies. And we need to address that as the church. The church is going to be pushed underground again. We saw how fast it could be pushed underground in the name of a pandemic. Notice that, as I said before, churches had more severe shutdown requirements than almost any other entity that I ever saw during the pandemic. They were singled out like no other group. In Chicago, you know, Mayor Lightfoot was so determined to keep a group of Christians from worshiping, she ordered all these cars on a road to be towed that she thought were going to this church. They weren't. She was towing people's cars from out in front of their homes because she wanted to keep that church from opening. Yet, liquor stores open, place to buy your marijuana, it's open and smoke it. You can go to Walmart. You can go to all the big box stores. That was all safe and good. Listen, if you believe in the ministry of this program and you consider sending a small gift, make it out to Ancient Word Radio. Our mailing address is 21 Berkshire, B-E-R-K-S-H-I-R-E, 21 Berkshire Lane, number 263. And we are in Sky Valley, two words, Sky Valley, Georgia, and our zip code 30537. We will be back tomorrow and sharing some good news again. This has been Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. To find out more, visit our website, truth the number two and the word ponder.com that's truth the number two ponder.com truth to ponder shining the light of truth in a darkening world